as we wrap up summer, we'll, we'll be focusing on a book in the Bible called First Samuel. And First Samuel reads like a quick novel. If you want adventure, romance, action, drama. Uh, but this is also the transition point because we had the patriarchs like Abraham and Isaac. Then there were time of Moses and, and Caleb and Joshua. And then God gave jo- judges. And this is a transition where the people of God wanted to have a king. What's interesting is God wasn't surprised. He knew that eventually there would be a king. What was challenging was their motive was different. And just to hit it, hit the ground running, the theme of this chapter that we just read is simply this. Israel's desire to have a king was a rejection of God as king. That's the summary of this whole chapter. They didn't simply want a functional king for the sake of pragmatics. They wanted a king, and it was an indication of their rejection of God as king. Chapter 1 Samuel, I mean, 1 Samuel 8, 7 says this, And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. I'm going to read that part one more time. They have rejected me, God, from being king over them. And if there's anybody in the whole world that I trust with their opinion, it's going to be God's. (laughs) Here is a human story of this story. We have all rejected God as king, not just Israel. The whole Bible is showing we've rejected God as king from day one. And the world has rejected God, and it has brought pain to entire humanity, to the nation of Israel, and to each of our lives. And we call that sin. This is sin nature. We don't need God as king. Sin is not, don't do this, don't do that, that's bad, this is good. Go to church, just shut up, don't say anything bad. Sin is, I want no one over me, especially God as king. I want to be the boss of my palace of my life. So it is an understatement to say it's a dangerous place to be to replace God as king over your life. Someone please tattoo that on your shirt. It is a dangerous thing to replace God as king over your life. Notice, people say today, when I talk to people in church, outside of church, I have God in my life. Don't you dare question my faith. I have God in my life. And I realize a brilliant response not to criticize them is simply this. The goal is not to have God in your life. God is even in the life of atheists. God is even in the lives of people who never heard of him. God is fully sovereign. and God is in your life whether you like it or not. The goal is not to have God in your life. The goal is, do you have God as king? over your life. Completely different story. Is God king over your life? And this is the crux of why Israel rejected God. So in this message, I have three questions that I was mulling over with in 1 Samuel, and I just wanted to share it with you, thinking out loud. And here's the first question. Why is it so hard to recognize what we already have, especially with God. 
Why is it so hard? Do you ever struggle with that? Why is it so hard? And I'm going to confess, I'm an electronics nerd. I love electronics. I love Apple. I, I'm an Appleholic. I, I got issues. When Apple had like, technology and stuff, like, I start getting like, hyperventilating. I start, oh, there's a new device out. And then my wife is the one that says, <clears throat> what, what's wrong with what you have? <laughs> I need to go have quiet time with God. Just leave me alone. So when we did this little trick here, why is it so hard to recognize what we have in this beautiful white space and we always focus on that one little thing we're missing? And I don't think that's ambition and I don't think that's striving for better. I think that's just pure discontentment and greed because all of us are human beings with self-centered tendencies. And so God was already their king. God delivered them and showed them everything. He said, do you recall the time of Moses when I brought them out? And how did the people treat me all this time? They worshiped other gods. They rejected me. And God had placed his select leaders all the time. God, we were hurting. Philistines have captured us. God sends a judge, Deborah. And they turn away 20 years later. God, we're hurting. Bring us another judge. God sends Gideon and Samson. Why is it that with God and things in our lives, we always focus on what we don't have rather than focusing what we have with God? You know, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1 through 5, I'll read that portion again. When Samuel became old, he made his son judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second son was Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Now, that's good for the elders of Israel to say, this is not good. We got some corrupt officials. Verse 4, the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, I wish they said this. You ready? I wish they said, Samuel, you're getting old. How will we know to follow God? Because you're getting old. How will we continue to follow God in his ways? Who will God send? That's what I wish they said. If you go back and rewrite history. But what did they say? Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Not bad so far. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Can you just say that out loud with me? I know what you're thinking. I want to be like everyone else. Why do you need a new car? Because the next three houses have a new car, honey. You can't drive a 2002 car. We look bad. Why do you need that new toy, Jason? Why do you need that new setting? Why do you need to keep changing? We forgot. And we focus on what we don't have. And we try to take control and do it artificially. This knee-jerk reaction is called take control, and it's triggered by these false assumptions. And here's some false assumptions Israel's having. Their false assumption is God is not visible. He must not be around. Their false assumption is God obviously is not acting right now. He must have forgotten. He can't do it all. Or third, their false assumption is if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. 
God, I got this. Seems like you need a little help here, God. Woo! God, looks like you're having trouble. Let me fix it for you. And so Israel jumps in, and they undermine God. They focus on what they don't have, and they jump into this horrible decision that was not God's divine plan. Second question, why is it so easy to seek security from anything but God? Gosh, why is it so easy to seek security from anything but God? Um, back in chapter 5 of 1 Samuel, something hilarious happens. Bible is funny, I'm telling you, you got to read the Bible. It's hilarious, you can't make this up. It says, when the Philistines captured the ark, the enemies of Israel beat up Israel, they captured the ark, and they took it back to a city called Ashdod. They put it in a room next to their God, Dagon. It's like this fish man statue. And they put the ark right here. This is hilarious. Verse 3, and when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen down on his face to the ground before the ark. The statue miraculously just collapsed. It's hilarious. So they, and so they took Dagon and put him back in his place. But when they rose early on the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face down on the ground before the ark. And not just that. His head was chopped off. His hands were broken all over the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. Verse 11, they sent therefore and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of God of Israel and let it return to the place or else it's going to kill us. Let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if you think God needs help. Does God need your help? For him to sustain his dignity, power, and sovereignty. Raise your hand if you think that God is so incomplete and inadequate. Gosh, I, like, God, what would you do without me? Just give me chills saying that, even sarcastically. God doesn't need a protector, a defender, or an army. God doesn't need us, period, to be God. He is holy, glorious, fully complete, without us which on the side is amazing because he keeps calling us so we'll talk about that in a little bit but question for you with this god i want to ask you this god who doesn't even have to be like whoa his ark is there and he's kicking the butt of a statue of a fake god i want to ask you something why would you fully put your trust in anything else other than god we need to do some repentance. I need to do some repentance. Because you know what I trust more than God sometimes? Condition of the church, how my life is going, how my checking account looks, how happy my kids are, how, how other people praise me. We don't trust God as much as we say and think we do. And this is the God who is self-contained, who's saying, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And we say, time out, let me try everything else. Do you know how you know that God is who you trust completely and fully? You ready for this? Practical test. How do you deal in crisis? Second question. How do you deal with resistance and enemies? That'll reveal if you fully trust in God. 
How do you deal with hurts and disappointments? That will review how much you fully trust in God. The obstacle to faith is not theology, but it's trust and the ability to say, you are my satisfaction and I need nothing else. I went to Harvest Crusade on Friday. Last night is tonight. If you can go, go. If you want to bring a friend, go. Chris Tomlin, Phil Wilkins leading worship, and they're having a last-minute message and from Greg Laurie, and it's going to be fantastic. But Mercy Me was there on Friday night, and we watched that movie. I can only imagine. About 60 of you came. It was a great movie. But they sang a song, and I felt like this was a sermon for me that night. And these are the words to this song. You ready for this? Do you have trust and confidence in God to pray this prayer in the words of this song called Even If by Mercy Me? And this is the chorus. I know you are able. I know you can save. He's talking to God. I know you can do anything you want and you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow. I know the hurt. It would all go away if you just say a word, Lord. Just say it. I know you could do it. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Do you trust God like that? That God, you could say the word and cancer's gone. You could say the word and, and he'll come back to life. You could say the word and the marriage will be fixed. And I don't know why you're not doing it. But here's the thing. Even if you don't, you're still my only hope. And he wrote that because his son is experiencing 17 years of junior diabetes. And he and his wife are going, why, God? You could take this away. Why don't you take it away? And he wrote this song because even if you don't, you're still my hope. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And the reason why we can't trust God fully is we think faith comes from tangible, observable objects and things that give us security. When God is intangible, invisible, but all-powerful. Who have you put your trust in? Third question, and we're wrapping it up. Why is it hard to count the cost of our decisions? God, I'm not sure if I could use you. I'm gonna, I want it my way. Um, let's use a car as an example. I use the swimming pool. How many of you said, Dad, Mom, I really want a car? Just be honest. I want a car. Oh, bunch of liars. You better get the hands up right now. I want a car. And your parents are thinking insurance, safety, gas, tires, maintenance, oil change. I know a friend who said something wrong with my car. And, and we're like going down the list and we're like, did you ever do oil change? He's like, what's that? After two years. <laughs> we love it so much. And this truly happens, doesn't it? Dad, I could, I could drive, I'll take care of it, I'll wash it, I'll put gas in it, I'm going to do this. And, you're, and my dad's like rambling off all these things. And then you're going through your mind as he's rambling off costs, expenses. You're thinking, I can't wait to drive down a highway 
And then you just hear, mom, 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 mom. And he says, do you still want a car? And you say, yes. <laughs> that is what happened in 1 Samuel 8. You get a king, he's going to take, 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 take. Six times he will take your children, he will take your daughters, he will take your sons, he will take your money. And then at the end of that, the people refused to obey God and said, we still want a king. I don't, do we know how to count the cost well? I, I get struck by Christians who are like, Pastor Jason, it's really hard. And I'm like, no. It's like somebody said, it's like a fish being surprised he's wet with water. It's a given. Following God is not going to be easy. The cost is high. The question for us is, do you count the cost and do you understand what you're asking for? And when the, you don't grasp it and you take it flippantly, you blame God rather than misunderstanding the calling that God's called you into this glorious life. Verse 19, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us and that will also be like all the nations. Different kind of king. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel heard all the words of the people, he reputed them in the ears of the Lord. And this is so scary. God says, obey their voice and make them a king. I'm here to say, one of the worst things that you want God to do for you is to give you what you ask for. Can we just say amen to that? Because you don't know what you're asking for. Because you don't know the cost behind the layers and layers. Romans chapter 1, 24, 25, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Let me land this plane with this. Israel is not an object where we could ridicule because we got it so figured out in 21st century. Israel is a reflection of the heart condition that even followers of Jesus Christ still have. You have God in your life, but is God king? And does he rule over your life? And if not, you gotta ask this question now. Who is over your life, really? And we come to church to say, I repent of any idols that I've placed before you, God. Not the people, not my inner desires, because my desires are flawed, but in a holy, righteous God, be my king. I don't want to be like all the nations. I want you. Let me end with this from Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen says, when we enter into solitude to be a God with God alone, we quickly discover how dependent we are. Without the many distractions of our daily lives, we feel anxious and tense. You know what that means? You drive away from home without a cell phone, you left at home, you panic and you like turn back and get it. When nobody speaks to us, calls on us, or needs our help, we start feeling like nobodies. Then we begin wondering whether we are useful, valuable, and significant. 
we are, our value significant is based on what other people say, our need to be used. That's why people church volunteer because they want to feel important, not because they want to serve selflessly. Then we begin wondering whether we are useful, valuable, significant. Our tendency is to leave this fearful solitude quickly and get busy to reassure ourselves that we are somebodies. Why stay in silence? It feels so naked. No one's calling me and saying how great I am. I need you. You're, you're, you're awesome. Can I talk to you? You want to leave this silence. And then he wraps up with this. But that is a temptation because what makes us somebodies is not other people's responses to us, but God's eternal love for us, period. To claim the truth of ourselves, we have to cling to our God in solitude as the one who makes us who we are. That is profound. It's saying... Your significance is not what occurs, the people in your lives, what they say about you, or how valuable you feel. But when you can come to find out that God's eternal love for me is my significance because Jesus died and rose again, and he shows his incredible love for me, fear is gone. Insecurity is gone. Any desires for things outside of God why would I chase for the second counterfeit when I could have the real thing? And God came to us in Jesus Christ and he became king over us when he conquered sin and death and rose again to say, the king has come. Wow. Friends, I want us to wrestle with this this week because each of you, I know 100% of people in here would say, I have God in my life. I want to ask you, is God king and over your life? Because it is a beautiful, joyful place to be, to surrender my worries and to be satisfied in the complete love of God in Jesus Christ, which can never be taken away. And the people of God said, amen. May you rest in that eternal glory of God's radiance. And may you shake off the fears and stresses and worries of life. Not to ignore them, but to drive right through them. Because God is your refuge and strength. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, make these words penetrate to the core where it is awkward, it, it's uncomfortable, and it's painful. And expose the idols the, the little Dagons in our life that you are forced to share space with when that can't even exist in the same place. You are the one and true living God. You are what everything is in this Bible and history is about. And you have called us into your story through Jesus Christ. And so we repent of our sins and our self-centeredness. We repent of the comfort and clinging to what we think is good for us. And we say, God, you are a king. Speak. We listen and we'll obey. Because you have shown us your eternal love over and over again. And you never tire of it. And so welcome us back, Lord, into your family. Jesus, be glorified. And we close this time with the prayer you taught us as we say, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.